Well, hello and welcome to episode number 359 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show, the lasers are back attacking pilots. A flight deck crew has a fight with cabin crew over a toilet and an airline buys up some old BA 747 Sims. In the military news this week, uh, there may be a new fighter in the works for 2029. A new F-15 EX gets delivered and an Italian Navy's first female strike fighter pilot earns her wings of gold. So joining me this week uh, on the show, as always, in the studio it is, of course, Matt Smith. Uh, well, hello, everyone. Hello. How are we all? <laughs> all right, all right. I, was about, I was about to say what I'd written in the show notes. I'm so glad I didn't. Uh, it says the words Chaz and Dave in it, which will be completely wasted on virtually anyone else uh, that doesn't, you know, if, you, if you've never Probably been anywhere near London. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Hinge your bracket. Oh, blimey. Yeah, that's all right. Our producer's going to go, who? Now oh, that's no. the joys of being. Uh, that's the joys of being young, I suppose. We were young once, weren't everyone, we, Nev? Hey, everyone knows who Chaz and Dave is. Honestly, do they? Nev, do you know who Chaz and Dave are? I, I do. I'm a gentleman of a certain age. <laughs> and Hinge Bracket, presumably as well. You're yes. familiar with it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There we Actually, go. A big welcome as well this week, obviously, to our master of everything tech it is, of course, Neville Bounds. Nev, welcome back this week. You've had a bit of a rough few, last few days, yes, haven't you? Yes, a bit of AstraZeneca vaccination on Wednesday, which I'm very grateful Ooh. for. Uh, the arm still hurts a bit, but uh, no, I've got the big headache and what have you, and sort of the fluey symptoms. But that, most of that's gone, actually, now, so that's good. Oh, brilliant. And uh, feeling in tip-top shape. We, we do like to hear a tip-top nev, don't we? Yes, yeah. thank you. But yes, last night was not not as good, I would say. <laughs> yeah, subpar, definitely Might subpar. Been, yeah, exactly. <laughs> indeed. I'll say the wine must be thinking to itself, oh, where's nev tonight? Uh, well, no, I did chest it out, make sure it hadn't gone off. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's yeah. fine. You wanted to make sure that it, you know that you, you could still taste it, right? Something it. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm Lovely. glad you're on this week, Nev. Glad you're back Thank this you. week. And uh, Armando is actually missing this week. Unfortunately, he um, he can't join us, uh, but he has sent us some some good military stories in this week, which will be coming up later. So uh, don't panic. Uh, but hopefully, we'll have Armando back on the show next. He's a very busy busy boy. I know. Yeah, I think they were in LA last time I heard. They, like, yeah, 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 he's stunning himself. I'll be on the beach. Easy. Yeah, I doubt that somehow, but yeah. I, I, I don't... Do you know what? Armando doesn't strike me as the sort of person who would go sunbathing. I don't know. <laughs> no. I, I, it's just far too sedatory and boring for him. It's just... But, perhaps that's just me. Ah, no, so, but... Uh, can, can, I, can I talk about something? May, oh, may yes, I talk about on. something? I, I, mean, I was actually going to say something before we move on, Matt. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say uh, a big hello, and I know uh, she does listen occasionally, especially last week, but uh, we're going to say a big hello and get well soon to Mama Smith. Yeah. Because she has had a really naff last week. Mm. So... Um, I know, yeah, uh, I know. Uh, Mama Smith listens to the show occasionally, so um, no, no, we no, sent no, her... no, 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 no. You're completely wrong there. She's only, never only listened to the week. show, <laughs> and then for the first time ever, she sat down and listened to what I wanted to talk about, which was probably the most incredible show we've ever done, which mm. was the incredible Women in Aviation show that was hosted by Megan and Doctor Steph and uh, Ariel and uh, and also Jody. I mean, and mm. what a fantastic 
show it was. And I'll tell you what, guys and girls, I would really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the show uh, too, do us a huge flavour because I, I want to I share with everyone um, how well, I, I mean, I thought it was a fantastic show i really did i mean it was lovely to sit sort of sit here like behind the scenes and just press all the buttons it was so much fun carlos did keep sending me pictures of him on his sofa with popcorn uh enjoying the show but please guys we would love to hear your feedback on last week's show because we're, we're sort of toying with the idea of doing a few more of these specials and we we really genuinely want to know how well they received as i say last week's was a real special one and i'd love to share feedback with with the wonderful people who were involved in it so please do me a huge favor i don't ask for much often but please do me a huge favor and just ping into us an email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com that's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and we'd love to receive your feedback on what you thought about last week's show because it was just fantastic it's available on youtube it's uh um it's last week's show as i say it's available on youtube you can watch it on youtube you can listen to it as an audio only download as well by searching your favorite uh podcast catcher for plain talking uk uh and looking for last week's show it was called it was called the women in aviation um show so make sure you search for that Uh, links will be in the description attached to this very video uh other apparently they're already in there i'm being told but yeah please do it's uh, it's also also worth noting as well what Matt was saying as well. There's not there was not only a hell of a lot of work went into the pre-production work mm. on the show, but also during the show as well. There was a heck of a lot of stuff going on which uh, you wouldn't have heard or seen. So um, yeah. big big thank you to uh, to John, our producer John, and yeah, also absolutely. Matt as well. Yeah, it, it was it was a a real privilege to to be involved in that. As I say, please. Please, please, please do send us some feedback about it because we want to know. Uh, you know, you might have ideas for other specials that we could do, for example, <laughs> where we could improve things. Hello, Richard is saying last week's show was fantastic, way better looking than these hosts. Yeah, that's kind of missing the point of what the whole, the whole thing is. I, I was going to say, Richard, Richard yeah. Adams has said uh, it could have run for six hours without getting boring. Yeah, I must admit, three hours is probably one of the <laughs> longest ones we've done, hasn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? What did Mark say? Sorry, I missed that one, John. Uh, Mark said, what a great... Great show oh, there last we go. week, but guys, we still need the man shed. The man shed? What's the man shed? Somebody explain. I've got a man garage. Oh, yeah, we oh, are the man shed. Oh, we are the man shed, right. Okay. <laughs> did he mean show? Uh, anyway. How, how, uh, yeah, how, so. did, uh, how did you enjoy the show last week, Nev? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I was sitting downstairs on the big telly watching it and uh, really, really well received. And uh, uh, the amount of new information that I learned about all of the hosts was, was fantastic. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't have been happier, actually. It was really good. And that, in fact, it turned out that it was one of our uh, biggest watched shows ever yeah. uh, live, which mm. was great. Wasn't Absolutely. It? So really pleased. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was our biggest show ever live. So please do, uh, we please feedback on so plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Or podcast at plaintalkinguk dot com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk dot com. We want to be able to share. Um, we want to share your feedback and what you thought of the episode yeah, with our definitely. wonderful hosts, basically. So please, please, please do get in touch and uh, and share the love, please, because I think they deserve so much respect. Uh, you know, for for the job that they did. Uh, 
uh, Micah says that they did a great job and and the hosts were, were amazing. So thank you, Micah. It's yeah. great. So we're going to say a big hello to everyone who has joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. All the, the usual family members in there. Uh, we're going to have a quick name check. Let's see Richard Adams. Hello to you, Lee Davies. Hello. Uh, we've got uh, scrolling down. Neville Bounds is in there. That's who? Good. Never heard of him. And we've got Captain Cruz. Hello to you, Captain Cruz. Uh, Stephen H. Hello to you. Obviously, Rick Bell, the absolute legend that is Rick Bell. Uh, Lane Street. We couldn't do, obviously, a show without having Lane in the chat room. Uh, Nick Codling. Um, let's make sure. Graham Haley. Hello to you, Graham. Uh, one of our kitchen disco uh, fans. Eh? Uh, Masha. Hello to you, Masha. And make sure main man Micah, Uncle Micah's in there, making sure everything's running sweetly. Uh, Mark Priestley, hello to you, Mark. <clears throat> oh, blimey. I need a beer. And, uh, yeah, we did mention Graham Haley. Yeah, we did mention Don't Don't panic. But uh, welcome to one and all who has joined us in the live YouTube feed this evening. So don't forget, if you haven't already subscribed to the show, uh, make sure if you're watching us live now, you click that subscribe button on the YouTube page, hit the bell icon, which will uh, ping your phone or device when uh, we go live and we are recording, as we are now, a new episode, because we'd love to have you in the chat room with us uh, this uh, on the show. So if if you're listening to the audio version, get yourselves over here on a Friday evening at seven o'clock and uh, join us in the YouTube chat room. So weekly roundup then. What have we got to chat about uh, about last week's show? We've covered last week's show and uh, we've also got the links. Don't forget as well, if you did miss, as Matt said earlier, miss last week's epic show, uh, obviously check us out on YouTube. The links will all be on there. And there will also be the links to the show on the show notes for this particular episode if you did miss it as well. Uh, so what's everyone well what's everyone been up to or what has people been up to since uh, since last week uh matt what have you been up to this week anything exciting uh well unfortunately mo- mostly trips to and to and from various a&e's unfortunately yes. and, and various hospitals so uh yes well, well well we're desperately trying to get poor mama smith mended so uh mm-hmm. yeah it's been quite a quite a busy week i have to say though to hats off to uh, um, i know i keep saying this but the, the the company that i work for naked wines have been absolutely fantastic um and they've uh, enabled me to sort of go up and because visiting unfortunately visiting isn't really allowed but i've been allowed to sort of stand in the corridor and just have a brief chat with mum when i've been dropping off bits and pieces but uh, i say m- my personal thanks to the amazing team that i work with who've all been incredible helpful uh just letting me sort of get done what needs to be done basically because we all want mama smith to be well very soon so uh, oh yes uh, the world needs her chutneys there's no two ways about it so, and yeah, cakes and cakes and things like yes. that but yeah so my, my week <laughs> my week has been mostly absorbed by that there is something that i might mention at the end of the show which i'm doing perhaps tomorrow i don't know whether i should do that or yeah i think you should right okay <clears throat> and yes it's uh, it's it's uh, I didn't. I'm so sorry. I did. What, what you're laughing, Carlos? What's that? No, I just said that. What uh, deli- uh, Captain Cruz says? Uh, are you delivering wine to the hospital? Delivering wine to the hospital. I tell you what, that would go down a storm, <laughs> wouldn't it? Absolutely. I don't know if the nurses uh, would like it very much, but uh, and yeah, uh, Lee, Lee Davies is uh, sending love to Mama Smith. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no, really appreciate. Yeah. She needs all the love and hugs that we can send her, please. Mm. So uh, yeah. please do. But uh, yes, no. Tomorrow I'm on. I'm doing a radio show tomorrow morning, seven a.m. in the in the UK here. If you listen to, uh, if you ask your smart speaker, if you're not in the Waveney Valley area, which I know basically. Shall I, shall I do it up. now? Yeah, go on then. Alexa, 
Play Park Radio Dis. Okay, right. I mean, maybe that, you yeah, know. Uh, no. just, just not now, not now. That's not on. That's not on, <laughs> Don't do it yeah. now. Yes, indeed. Yeah, copy copyright. Oh, okay. I'm being told yeah. copyright. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, yeah, so Nev, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. Nev, what uh, what have you been up to this week? Obviously, because you're the flying sort of side of things of the of the job is kind of on a hold. But um... yes. I shall be flying for work for a couple of months. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, but our London office opened again uh, last week, so that was good. So I went to see a couple of folks there, and I'm going to do the same on Monday. Which would be nice. Um, also, got a uh, nice email from Steve Pride. Now, Steve Ooh, yes. joined us for the 300th show, if you can remember back that long, at the Renaissance Hotel. And uh, Steve says, Hi, Nev, trust all is well in these weird times. Strange to think how the world has changed since we sat in the bar at the Renaissance putting the world to rights. I remember that very well, but it doesn't, doesn't seem as long ago as it really no, was. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, he says, I was thinking today about whether you'd picked up on the news from Norway, but not about one, but two airlines starting up over here. I think we have mentioned that before, actually. Uh, one was already up and running called Flyer, who's going to concentrate on the Norwegian domestic market, and then the other one started by the same guy who started Norwegian and aiming for low-cost long-haul, and that one's called Norse Atlantic Airways. Now, low-cost uh, long-haul has got a history of failures, hasn't it? So uh, let, let's see how they do with this. But maybe the timing's right, because as things are going to be open up later on in the year I, I think it, perhaps it is the right time to uh, have a crack at a, uh, a transatlantic uh, low cost operation but we'll have to see but so no nice to hear from you Steve very much appreciate your uh, email and uh, looking forward to seeing you somewhere again soon indeed I hope so yeah right. that, actually do you know what this I mean I know we have mentioned this before but the you know the transatlantic low costing is the dream isn't it because it enables you we I mean mainly thanks to this this show but we've all got some amazing friends in America and Canada and all that kind of thing oh, so yeah. the the ability to be able to do that at an affordable price would just be amazing wouldn't it very true. Very uh, yeah. true. Because the price of flights it, are expensive. Is it? Was it? Was it? Nor, no. Was it? Nor, Norwegian were, were one that were trying to do it, weren't they? Were they do Was it? Were they trying to do transatlantic? Well, they, they they were running that operation for for some time mm. uh, at a loss. The, uh, the load yeah. factors were uh, were difficult, and I think the problem is if you're going to run an operation like that, you have to fill just about every seat. Yeah. Um, otherwise, mm. it just and of course, was it was it Premier that we lost um, last year or the year before? Or Premier, Premier, sorry, yes. Premier that, um, w- that again we're doing that same thing. So that, I mean, it's, it's brave <laughs> to sort of take on that task, isn't it? But um, it's uh, Rick Bell. Uh, Rick uh, Bell oh, says. Good. As long as they don't operate seven five sevens, nothing wrong with a seven five, Rick. You know that. Yeah. aircraft. If you're going from London to Edinburgh, yes. But not if you're going across the pond. And you uh, want to no, get there quick, it, Nev. Well, exactly. yes, mm. indeed. I, I, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm the only one to have a have a negative experience involving yes, seven five, so I need to shut up. Anyway, we're being shattered anyway, out in our rear by a producer. We need to move on before John <laughs> kicks us all in has, the um, rear has end. Has a stroke. Yes, indeed. So yeah. we are going to start the show then, as we do each week with our run of the weekly news from across the world and the UK. So, if all the team's ready... Yes, we are. Let's go. So, 
show kicking off this week's first news story. This one comes to us from a few sources, Simple Flying, one of them, uh, GetSurrey.co.uk and Av Herald. And uh, we haven't had any laser attacks for a while on uh, pilots, um, so we thought, well, we'd have one this week. So a Virgin Atlantic Boeing 787-9 registration Gulf Victor Delta India Alpha performing flight uh, VS-453 from London Heathrow to Tel Aviv departed Heathrow runway 27 left and was climbing out when a laser was pointed at the aircraft and hit the captain in the eye, I expect. Uh, the crew initially continued to fly uh, en route to flight level 410 over Paris, and then the crew, however, uh, of abundance of caution, and turned back to Heathrow due to the captain being increasingly challenged. The crew declared a pan, reporting the captain now could see with only one eye. Uh, the aircraft landed safely back at Heathrow's runway 27 left around 75 minutes after departure. The airline reported the laser beam from the ground was shone into the cockpit upon departure. The crew swiftly reported the laser occurrence to ATC and police. Uh, later, the crew needed to return to London and the flight was postponed until the following day. Israel media outlet uh, Maraviv Daily reported that the perpetrator operating the laser was arrested. Uh, this has not yet been confirmed by police. A replacement Boeing uh, 787 Dash nine registration Golf Victor Alpha Hotel Hotel reached Tel Aviv's uh, flight VS four five three Alpha the following day with a delay of twelve and a half hours. Well, we haven't had one of these for a while, guys, probably because we've not had that many aircraft actually flying anywhere um, so much over the last twelve months. But uh, seems like it's back. Yeah, so, back. so distressing, isn't it? I really thought we'd had the end of all this, but uh, it only takes one stupid person to to do this, doesn't it? And uh, honestly, in your, it really is. I mean, people think it's funny, but it is. Uh, well, a, it's a criminal offence, uh, but b, it's incredibly dangerous. Um, but it, very, very focused beam of light, uh, which can travel a long way uh, in in the dark, and uh, yeah, highly dangerous. So, I do hope the skipper's okay uh, with his eye. But uh, I mean, no, th- this is uh, um, <laughs> this is not uncommon, of course, because both um, in the UK and around the world, apparently, according to the CAA, there were 775 reported laser incidents in 2018, mm. which is the most recent year for which the data is available. And 42% of the British Airline Pilots Association members have experienced a laser attack in the past 12 months. Amazing. I mean, there's no way that these people don't know that you know the damage that one of these laser pens could possibly do. So people are doing this on purpose, aren't they? There's no, there's no, you, you don't accidentally oh, yeah. point a laser pen at... A flying aircraft do you i mean there's there, there's no way that you could accidentally do it there's definitely a lot of hate for these people in the chat room there's no doubt about that um yeah rich I, I mean, makes yeah. a good comment yeah which is <laughs> uh, can we read should, it out uh, uh, no, they, okay. they, they should be um taken uh, dealt with uh, very firmly right um, okay good yes i think we're all, um, all in agreement there yeah, yeah Lee, Lee Davies says uh, in response to Captain Cruz, actually, that they should should get a minimum of five years. I think that's, that's true. That's yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we'll move on to the next story. Yes, next story, Matt, you've got uh, a COVID-19 story, but it's it's a tech, techie one. Indeed. Yes, absolutely. So uh, it is uh, Ryanair, obviously, which is... Uh, well, actually, we haven't had a Ryanair story, too, for a little while. Uh, but uh, the headline is Ryanair add 
adds COVID-19 travel wallet to mobile app. Uh, So this comes from the future travel experience.com. And uh, the story goes, Ryanair has launched a COVID-19 travel wallet, allowing customers to upload health documents such as a negative PCR test uh, and vaccination certificates. Uh, The the airline says that the new COVID-19 travelers wallet will make travel as seamless as possible for customers. Uh, During the check-in process, uh, passengers will be able to upload up to six documents to the Ryanair app. Uh, These could be negative COVID-19 test certificates. Uh, They could also be uh, anything else that the government says that is required for travel, such as a declaration. The app functions uh, as a virtual filing cabinet for the documents to ensure that they are readily available alongside the boarding pass. This is in contrast to apps such as Verifly, um, which is used by uh, British Airways, amongst others, as the Ryanair app will not verify the validity of such documentation, though it will indicate on the boarding pass whether documents have or have not been uploaded. So Dara Brady, who's the managing director at Ryanair, said we are delighted to launch the Ryanair COVID-19 travel wallet as we prepare for the return of family holidays this summer. Many Ryanair customers will be taking their first holidays uh, in over a year, adhering to new travel guidelines and the COVID-19 travel wallet will allow customers to store all of their uh COVID-19 documents such as PCR test results, passenger locator forms and vaccine certificates in one location with zero fuss or paperwork to worry about. We'll move straight on to story number three and uh, Nev, it's uh, sort of similar details really involving your favourite airline. Yes, it is. And uh, this information comes from the Yorkshire Post uh, and BBC and findbiometrics.com. And BA is planning to make it easier for passengers to prove that they are safe to travel once they've been vaccinated against COVID. Under the plans, people will be able to register their vaccination status on the airline's app before being allowed to fly, including whether they've received two doses. Uh, Trials of the Verifly digital health app across all international flights operating into the UK with the carrier are continuing. The app will eventually allow those who register their health information, potentially including whether they have been vaccinated, to determine if they are eligible to fly to their chosen destination in accordance with the uh, the arrival country's eligibility criteria. At present, the Verifly app is optional for BA customers to use, uh, though it does offer a streamlined travel experience including health screenings and verification on arrival for those that do. Uh, The app also does not yet include the newly planned vaccination uh, status information. BA, uh, sorry, BA CEO Sean Doyle said it's fair to say that Britain has developed a really strong leadership position in coming out the other end of the pandemic. What we want to make sure of is that we also take that leadership position into restoring travel and to restoring the economy. So, uh, well, it looks like uh, a lot of um, airlines now are realising, well, they've realised it earlier in the year, I'm sure, that if they're going to have any kind of late spring or or summer uh, traffic, that they have to find a way of getting people in in and out of countries safely but also legally as well so i think these apps are a great idea actually or actually including your information as part of your uh, of your app therefore as part of your ticket well, i hope i have my jabs before september Nev, so i can have one of these apps for uh, ready for mm. the flights to malta 
Yes. Yeah, see, now, the, thing, the only thing that worries me here is, essentially, we're talking about two stories. And I, I see why John's put these together now. So these are two stories, essentially, both different airlines. But, of course, the, one, the only thing that worries me a little bit here is BA are at least trying to do some form of verifying the information that you've uploaded here. Now, the, the one thing that bothers me a little bit uh, about the, the, the Ryanair approach, and it, don't get me wrong, it's still a fantastic idea, um, but there's um, they're uploading uh, documents basically into like a, uh, you know, it's literally like a filing cabinet. So you're just like taking a photograph of the documentation and you're storing it in there. Now surely am i am i being a little bit sort of over suspicious here where i say sh- that th- that documentation could very easily be forged hmm. well let's put it this way um it's probably no different to the way that your passport is handled and, and that kind of thing and don't forget when you book your ticket uh, to an international destination you normally have to upload your passport information as well to the airline and so i think that what's going to happen is that they will need to see evidence of this uh, when you book the flight so you'll need to upload all that information uh, as part of the booking thing um, but so, it's very easy, obviously, to to verify a passport, though, isn't it? Because there is a national database that you can. I mean, is there going to be a a national database, for example, for all of us who have been lucky enough to already have the vaccine? Well, there, there probably is already, and yeah. uh, you can have a a big conversation about data protection and all the rest of it. I'm yeah. sure, but uh, mm. no, I, th- I think that the only way that the airline industry is going to survive this year yeah. is that they have to have the, some method of doing this, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, a bit like the yellow there's, vaccination. There's John the yellow is saying, card thing. Yeah. Oh, I've got a yellow card for my um, yellow fever uh, mm. passport, which I needed to show when I went to Brazil a, a few years ago. Uh, vaccine roll. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm. I think it's um, so two, two, two very interesting stories, but sort of two very different approaches. I suppose is the best way yes. to to compare those stories. But uh, hey, I mean, anything that makes it easier for people to get flying has got to be a good thing. I suppose, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So moving on to the next story, and uh, we've uh, obviously seen fights breaking out between passengers on aircraft. It happens all very often, especially on some of the low-cost carriers, not mentioning any names. Uh, But this one is crew having fights. This comes to us from Asia Online and also scmp.com. And uh, China's Donghai Airlines suspends pilot and male attendant after an alleged mid-air fight over a toilet. Wow. (sighs) So, Chinese carrier Donghai Airlines on Sunday said it had suspended a male pilot and a male flight attendant after allegations the pair had assaulted each other during a flight. The assault started uh, in an argument 50 minutes from uh, landing on the flight DZ6297 from Nantong to Xi'an, on February the 20th, according to Chinese media reports. The pilot, who was not identified, was using the bathroom when a first-class passenger uh, wished to use the toilet. The pilot asked the passenger to wait by their seat, but was ignored by the passenger, according to social media posts about the incident. The pilot saw the passenger still standing at the door when leaving the lavatory and rebucked the attendant who oversaw the first-class cabin for not doing his job properly and affecting flying safety. The toilet argument soon spiralled out of hand and became a physical uh, argument. Uh, Social media posts claimed that 
uh, this was initiated by the pilot. In the resulting fight, the flight attendant's arm was broken while the pilot lost a tooth. The flight attendant was not allowed what? to return on the same flight. Donghai Airlines issued a statement on Sunday afternoon after the postings went viral on Weibo uh, confirming the assault and that uh, the pair had been suspended from their job. The company attached high importance to the argument among the crew members during the flight and conducted a strict internal verification. Those staff members involved have been suspended and uh, their job to ensure flight safety, the uh, statement said. Uh, investigation was launched with the Civil Aviation Administration of China, or the CAAC, uh, Wu Xiu, a safety official with the CAAC, told reporters following the investigations, uh, they will not. Uh, the CAAC will not accept any application for new routes. Thank you, John, uh, or flights over time or charter flights from Donghai Airlines for an unspecified time as punishment the pilot has had his flying license revoked meaning he is unlikely to find any employment uh, in civil aviation in mainland china again the flight attendant was given an administrative punishment wu said without elaborating on that so guys fights um, i mean i mean for, first the <laughs> oh hello captain cruz yeah, Xi'an. Yes, Xi'an. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Xi'an. to be fair, in our producer's uh, defense, One, two out of three. Yeah, I can say in our producer's I got defense, two out of three. you had a load. You had a load of files there that you could yes. have listened to in advance. Two out of three. <laughs> two out of three. Come on. Oh well, never mind. Bless him. John tried That's very hard. Everyone, he really did. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. But uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, a bloody nose or a, a cut finger, but this is broken arms and yeah, teeth. Is- it's a bit nasty, isn't it? It's a, get, it's a bit sort of get stuck in, isn't it? I it's... mean, Nev, you wouldn't get this on a BA flight. <laughs> well, it depends on where it was operating from, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that it's, it's quite ironic, isn't it, that they were concerned about uh, flight safety and <laughs> ends up with a, a punch-up between the crew. Mm. Is, uh, oh, just An unexpected good. twist, yeah. Yeah, I mean, broken arms and, and things in a in a, in a punch up is. I mean, that's a bit that's a bit more than a you know than than a bit of slap and tickle, isn't that's it? I mean, that's, that's quite that's quite being serious full on. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I'm just reading Richard Adams' comment oh, in the no. chat room. Okay, so are, are we allowed to share it or not? Is uh, it, or is it a bit questionable? CAAC, great name for a safety organisation. Yes. CAC. Oh, I see. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hopefully, um, this will be the, hopefully this will be the last we see uh, of this. Yeah, never but, mind. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah but perhaps I mean, we'll make, some passenger it, fights next. I can week say it makes a change, change from the you know the norm, which is passengers all mm. kicking off, isn't it? So I suppose that there is that. But uh, uh, yeah, Lee, Lee Lee uh, Lee Davies, I'm drinking Bellhaven Best Draft. Right. Okay. It's quite nice, actually. Oh, All right, sorry. Um, so, Nev, moving on to you for the next story. Say, and do, uh, we, do, do we do we get, like, you know, like sponsorship if, if, no, if you mention no, that? All, no, okay. Not. He's just after free beer. That's all he's after. Yeah. So, Nev, <laughs> Nev there's, uh, there's some sim buying going on. There is, yes. It's on flightglobal.com, and it says that uh, Air Atlantic, sorry, Air Atlanta Icelandic has acquired 
one of British Airways Boeing 747-400 full flight simulators following the retirement of the type from the UK carrier's fleet last year. Under a related agreement, the simulator will remain at BA's Global Learning Academy at London Heathrow, where the flag carrier's uh, engineering team will host, maintain and recertify it for UK and European qualifications. The simulator, which has uh, GE Aviation and Rolls-Royce engine capability, will also be available for hire by other airlines that operate 747 aircraft. Uh, Baldwin Mar Hermansson, who's the chief executive of the Icelandic airline, says with the purchase of the Boeing 747-400 simulator, Air Atlanta Icelandic is looking forward to further expanding its excellent cooperation with British Airways. Uh, the Atlanta Flight Academy will offer the 747-400 type rating as well as uh, other training modules for both Air Atlanta Icelandic and third-party customers. Uh, BA, BA has got uh, three of these flight simulators at its training centre and the UK carrier decided to retire the type last summer as we all remember as a result of the changed outlook for air travel following the pandemic outbreak um, and so in the uh, Air Atlanta Icelandic fleet they've got uh, 13 747 400 uh, freighters and there's one standard configuration and they've got an A340 300 so it's good to see that at least they can make use of that 744 that's uh, simulated that's, that's at uh, London Heathrow. Mm. I was going to say, one of the interesting things, Neb, with this is that, that they've brought this um, sim off BA, but it's going to be, as you say, operated by BA still. But Air, the Air Atlanta Icelandic are going to be, obviously, um, pimping this out as such to other airlines to use as well. Yes. Which uh, they're few and far between I mean, in, Again, in the freighter environment, there's still a lot of 747s oh, yeah. out there. There is, yeah, there yeah. is a lot, yeah. yeah. So, Matt, mm. you have the next story, and uh, this is all, this is quite good. I, I do like this. I think John found this story, and this is uh, about an airline that's going to um, going to have some quite nice seating right okay so basically and i'm, I'm going to have to get clarification to make sure i say this uh, right uh, but basically it's from the simpleflying.com website uh, and the headline is coming soon an all premium economy airbus a350 startup airline and i want to say Prague USA 1.1. I don't know if that's uh, how I'm supposed to pronounce Pragu- it. Pragusa. Pragusa. Yeah, Pragusa. Oh, Pragusa.1. Uh, apologies if I've said that incorrectly. Do feel free to correct me. Obviously, that's why the chat room is awesome. So a new all A350 airline is coming, and its name is Pragusa.1. Uh, I, I, I don't know whether it's like the website, perhaps. I don't know if you've put in Pragusa. Or, or pra- so it's Prague, P-R-A-G-U-S-A dot one uh, so the ambitious carrier plans to base its operations out of prague and um see i yeah yeah prague 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 usc yeah, i don't know anyway uh they're planning to base their operations out of prague and dubrovnik uh, and will fly around the world with airbus a350-900s most excitingly the airline plans to outfit its wide bodies with uh, an all premium economy arrangement offering a new take on affordable long-haul comfort uh, the airline which is a british investment vehicle wants to uh, establish an airline of the same name using an air operator certificate it will allow apply for next month in Croatia uh, with its Croatian AOC as an EU member state airline uh, Praga or Prague USA one, uh, Pragusa.1 will also then um, 
would then one base in Prague. Oh, they'd have a base, sorry, in Prague with the Czech Republic and a base in Dubrovnik Airport in Croatia. Uh, both airports have already agreed to provide incentives uh, for the airline. Each base would have two aircraft. The company name itself is a combination of the words Prague and uh, R- uh, Ragusa, uh, which is the historical name for Dubrovnik. Uh, out of its planned bases in Prague and Dubrovnik, uh, Pragusa uh, dot one. I, I, I feel I, I feel obliged to say the dot one for some reason. Uh, plans to operate flights to New York, Tokyo, Beijing, uh, Los, An- Los Angeles, Singapore, Johannesburg, uh, Chengdu, and uh, Kuala Lumpur, which is. Uh, uh, some great destinations there. Anyway, the company is already in talks with Airbus to place an order for four A350-900s in a single class configuration, each fitted with 251 premium economy seats. The delivery of these A350s would take place in 2024. Dubrovnik and Prague will would each receive two of these A350-900s. However, uh, Pragusa.1 does not plan to wait until the A350s are delivered to start. Start operations. It wants to start flying as soon as June 2021 and it plans to use wet leased aircraft to do so. Uh, the company is currently negotiating the wet lease of two Airbus A350 900s and two A330 300 aircrafts. Uh, now that's absolutely, uh, that's, that's really fascinating. And actually, we were sort of talking earlier, weren't we, about the, um, you know, the sort of transatlantic route. I mean, again, a, a short hop into, into Europe and then on to somewhere like New York, for example, yeah, is very appealing. What interests me about this is that I can't think of another um, airline um, recently, or, or ever possibly, that has had an all-premium economy configuration, uh, configuration of yeah. the aircraft. Mm. Yeah, uh, true. That, that's pretty unique, I think. And that... I think as long as the ticket prices are sensible, they'll do really well mm. with that operation, definitely. Wow, I mean, I, it's it's just you know I, I'm so desperate for for some form of you know long haul transatlanticy sort of like route to you know airline to just have some success because you know there there must be the potential there mustn't there because there are lots of people who want to go to to you know like Tokyo I mean there's some great destinations isn't it we're, t- we're talking New York Tokyo Beijing you know it's just uh, oh La Compa- uh, La Compania yeah. Uh, from Captain Cruz, yeah, company. Uh, sorry, uh, and uh, is there is their configuration and an all, um, an all premium. Um, sorry, I'm really sorry. I can't hear John for some reason at the moment. I've got some problems. Uh, oh, it was all business class. Sorry. Yeah. Now, didn't didn't um, BA have uh, one that was an all business class well, configuration? The, the, the operation from uh, yeah. City one oh. to JFK was uh, 32 all business class seats. Yeah. Um, but this is the first airline I can think of that um, has got uh, only premium economy. Mm. So, Indeed, yeah. in fact, Airline Alive has said that it's nice to see an airline going the opposite way, trying to improve passenger comfort instead of trying to cram more people in. I mean, mm. you'd be forgiving, uh, you sort of for- forgive these various airlines trying to cram more people in, especially if it's a new model and they're trying to make the transatlantic thing work. Well, I, I mean, I really hope it's a huge success because, uh, as you say, it wouldn't take much to just have a quick hop, you know, into Croatia and, and uh, you know, to, to do the do the hop, you know, to go to Dubrovnik and then on to New York or whatever. It really wouldn't take much at all, at all would it? Again, if the price is right, I guess. Mm. 
Yeah. Very true. Indeed. All about, all about the price. Indeed. In fact, I've got a couple of pictures here which uh, I, I might just share with you if I can find the right tab of, of the, the, uh, the, the possible branding, shall we say. This is what they're, they're talking about. I quite it, like looking, it. Yeah, it's quite colourful, mm-hmm. isn't it? With a, yeah. It's very sort of loud and shouty. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's got a real pride feel about it for me. But, um, yeah, it, it, it is on the website, apparently. That is, uh, mm. um, their, their, website is, their website is up and running, yeah, um, pro- but there's pro- not a lot going on there. Yeah. Oh, is there not? Right. Producer.one no. is, is the actual website. Well, yeah, Producer.one. It, it, it's, it, it's got a picture of their aircraft on there. There's also a little picture of the route maps and stuff on yeah. there on the website. But um, as yet... It's launching soon. Lots of planning still going on. That's what it is. Lots of planning going on, isn't it? Yeah. So the next one uh, story uh, is, uh, well, it, it's, it's been around the news feeds quite a lot this week, and it's been uh, mentioned on a few other uh, shows as well. But this this is brilliant. I love this. comes to us from uh, the independent.co.uk, NBC News, CBS News, and about every other news outlet in the entire world. <laughs> so um, this uh, is about a serial stowaway. Marilyn Hartman, who has been arrested yet again at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. So serial stowaway, who claims to have taken more than 30 flights without even having a ticket, uh, was arrested at uh, Chicago's O'Hare International Airport this week. Marilyn Hartman faces criminal trespass charges for sneaking away from a safe haven halfway house about noon on Tuesday, according to a statement from the Cook County Sheriff's Office. Uh, She arrived at Terminal 1 around half past uh, one in the afternoon, and an alarm siren was activated on Hartman's uh, Hartman's device, leading to her arrest by Chicago police before she could enter any secure areas, uh, the sheriff said. The sheriff's office says it will seek approval for a felony escape charge against the 69-year-old uh, she's already facing a felony charge from a previous stairway attempt. Hartman's latest escape comes two days after CBS Chicago released an interview with her. Uh, she said she began hopping on planes without a ticket back in 2002. Uh, the first time she was able to get through, she flew to Copenhagen. Uh, the second time, she flew into Paris. Uh, Hartman told CBS Chicago's Brad Edwards, uh, who she began corresponding with in October 2019. Uh, Globe trotting remained out of security radar until 2014 in August, when she was caught flying from San Jose in California to Las Vegas. Her last international ride was to London in January 2018, where she boarded a $3,500 flight on a British Airways plane, But uh, by then, she was on the radar of the TSA agents and was apprehended and brought back to the US and charged. Hartman told uh, CBS uh, News that... uh, I was always let through, uh, she said, and and, uh, I mean I was able to go through security line without a boarding pass, she said. I got through security. Um, This uh, this is the thing that is so crazy. By following someone that would be carrying like a blue bag, she said, and the next thing you know, she gets uh, on the TSA line and the TSA let her through and they think that she's with the guy with the blue bag. 
Uh, the stowaway spent, uh, has spent time in custody in Cook County Jail, Chicago, on charges of theft, criminal trespassing and probation violation. She's also receiving treatment for her bipolar disorder. Uh, Jeff Price, a professor at the Department of Aviation and Aerospace Science, Metropolitan State University, said that Mrs. Hartman's unsophisticated method highlighted the flaw at airport security procedures in a post-9-11. He also believes that Mrs. Hartman's got off easy because she looked like a grandmother. Wow. Mm. And there's that assumption, I suppose, that all grand grandparents and things, you know, there's <laughs> you sort of assume butter wouldn't melt, I guess. Is, is that the the excuse she said is essentially being used amazing. to get away with it? <laughs> Imagine, I mean, regardless of how many times she's done it, how much money has she saved? Well, yes. But uh, obviously no no points. That's the thing, though, isn't it? So missed, missed out <laughs> No there. points. So, but she's got a lot of <laughs> That's all Nev cares about. This goes back to 2014, doesn't it? So, you know, all, he, uh, all he cares about is his gold points, honestly. <laughs> yes. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. just amazing that 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 in this day and age this can or this can happen or, or has happened. Mm. Um, you know, it makes me wonder whether I should just dress up as an old, old you know, old. Well, chap. what you do at the weekend, Carlos, is your own business. <laughs> Lovely, absolutely. Well, anyway, a, a, career, a career in panto for you if you're going to dress up like that. Absolutely. Oi, I wonder if you got into business class airline. There's, 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 there's only one. There's only one of the PTUK team who has been a fully fledged panto person. I didn't know Armando had done the pleasure. No, no. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, anyway, anyway, Matt. Um, moving on to Nev for the next one, and a uh, bit of a bit of a sort of a historic story. Hmm, really. Yes, well, this is interesting. On the simpleflying.com website, um, it says if you're based in Japan or passing through in the next few weeks, you might be able to get your hands on a piece of airline history. After 70 years of publishing its timetables in paper booklet form, the final edition of Japan Airlines timetable booklets is now in airports across the country. The airline began to print its timetable way back in 1951, when the timetable just had 12 flights. The booklets have grown as the airline and the aviation industry have grown, reflecting changes in demand. However, with so many last-minute changes, cancellations and additions to schedules over the past year, the airline has said that the time has come to end the tradition. The airline's timetable will now be available only on uh, online in digital form in a statement today that uh, Japan Airlines made. Paper booklets of timetables have been installed at airports and travel agency counters, but we will no longer be producing them. The reason is to reduce paper consumption, and due to the decrease in demand as a result of the spread of PCs and smartphones, uh, in the future, please access from your computer or smartphone the flight and availability search function on the JAL website. Well, Japan Airlines was already looking to phase out its timetable booklets and to digitise schedules. All Nippon Airways had also phased out the booklets with the last edition being printed in January. Uh, although physical booklets are on the way out, most airlines still offer digital versions in PDF form. However, some airlines, uh, some airline alliances rather, also provide online ta- uh, timetables, including Sky Team and Star Alliance. Historic airline table, uh, timetable booklets have become collector's items, with many sold online at auction, some of them b- b- available online dating back to the 1920s. 
Most old airline tape timetables can be picked up for around $10 online. However, some rarer timetable booklets are being sold online at around $500. And in Imperial Airways, uh, summer uh, 1925 airline was being sold at an online auction for $350 at the time of writing. So, uh, yes, I remember uh, paper uh, card-based timetable booklets as well. And um, the last one I had was from Scandinavian Airways uh, back in the day. Uh, That's probably, gosh, that must be... 20 years ago now, something like that. So, uh, yeah, we we just don't even think about using that now, do we? <laughs> what do you reckon, Nev? I think he's, everyone needs to check up in their lofts or... Um, I, I'm sure uh, people still have them. Yeah, um, absolutely. It'd be worth a few pounds. So, I mean, I mean, they're, they're a wonderful piece of history, aren't they? But, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the majority of... I mean, OK, Nev, maybe you might be the exception where perhaps you have used one of these in the past. Um, but, I mean, I would certainly have never had a reason to use said booklet in order to sort of locate a flight. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. John's saying, actually, they were quite often something that you came across at the at a travel agents if you went to, to sort of plan a, a holiday, I guess, especially where you used to build your own packages, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not surprised, but, and, it, but it, and they are a nice nod to history, aren't they? They are, they are a nice nod to the yeah. past. So, moving on to the last story this evening, and um, I really love this story, guys. If if any if you if you were an airline and you wanted some really good PR, um, I think you need something like this in your lives. I think so. This one comes to us from the this is a good website, boardpanda.com, yahoo.com, and facebook.com as well. So uh, this is uh, about Southwest. So an airline returns lost Buzz Lightyear in real-life Toy Story. And honestly, there are some great pictures to go with this story. But uh, the story is when a two-year-old passenger left his Buzz Lightyear action figure behind on one of uh, their planes, Southwest Airlines went to infinity and beyond to get it back to him. In a tale that sounds like something straight out of Toy Story. A young flyer named Hagen who was recently travelling with his family to Dallas for a funeral. Uh, when they landed, he forgot to take his Buzz Lightyear toy with him. Hagen didn't even realise Buzz was gone until the family was in their rental car. That was too late. Even if they turned back, the plane had already departed for its flight to Arkansas. Uh, normally, that would have been the end of the story. A Southwest employee named Jason found Buzz when the plane shut down for the night. And while Buzz knew to remain quiet in the presence of humans, he still provided a major clue to help Jason identify his owner. Hagen clearly learned from Toy Story's Andy Hagen's name was on the bottom of Buzz's shoe. The plane travel logs for the day only listed one Hagen as a passenger. Not long after he lost Buzz, the young boy received a very special package indeed. It was adorned with the delightful artwork Southwest sent Buzz home, along with a note from the famed astronaut recounting his journey for Hagen, as well as some photos of him exploring the airport. And this is awesome, honestly. I mean, Southwest, I don't, I don't think they could do pretty much do anything wrong. I mean, the airline is, is you know, they have great, uh, I know they have great uh, staff members in their teams and stuff there, but... Um, 
Yeah, the the pictures are brilliant. You know, this guy, oh, the, the young child, I should say, two year old, um, got his toy back. But there were some really great pictures. I think the guy had some fun, uh, obviously taking these pictures uh, of, uh, of Buzz around the airport. What do you think of this, Nev? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, mm. really, really nice. And uh, yeah, great, uh, great to have a nice story, isn't it? It's it's always nice to have an and finally, isn't it? As they used yeah. to on on ITN. But I mean, obviously, the, I mean, the kid is only two years old now. I mean, he's he's not going to fully appreciate what what's been involved here, uh, you know. But what what an amazing story, you know. Perhaps in a few years' time, when he when he's old enough to appreciate it, that'd be absolutely amazing. It's uh, <laughs> Mark Priestley suggested this could be the start of another Toy Story film. Um, there's a lot to be said for that. They should uh, <laughs> do an aviation-based Buzz Lightyear story. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, as well, you know, Southwest have, have made the story for them by the sound of it. So it's. Uh... You know, I, I, I have never flown. I mean, I've flown a few of the uh, American um, based carriers, but I've never flown Southwest. And I, I, I want to at some point in mm. the future. So, uh, never you've ever flown Southwest? No, I haven't actually, no. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah. I've tended to be stuck, stuck with the. Uh... The big regulars, the, the mm. legacy carriers, if you like. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, Southwest is a great operation, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, I'd love to fly mm. them one day. Yeah, they seem to do things well, mm. no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. How refreshing. So, I know. Moving on to the next part of the show, then. That's the commercial news done for this week. So I hope you enjoyed that. We have got uh, a very special segment up next, and it's back again this week uh, with the plane troops. And uh, this week, Matt sits down with Captain Al, and uh, they're going to talk about all things to do with assigned call signs and the sometimes mix-ups with the call signs. So here we go. Hello and welcome to another Plain Truce. And this week we're going to be talking about call signs. Joining me, as always, is the legend that is Captain Al. Hi, Captain Al. A very good evening, Matt. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. Not too bad at all. So, yes, listen, call signs. So how do flights get assigned their flight numbers and their call signs? And are there any duplicates? Good question. So let's look at sort of general aviation. So if we're just sort of pootling around in in a little aeroplane, each aircraft, whether it be uh, big, small or medium, has a registration. So that's the country of registration, in our case, in the United Kingdom, G as in golf, and then four letters. So that's the the registration of the aircraft. So for general aviation, we usually use uh, the registration as our radio call sign. So in the case of a little aeroplane, Golf Alpha Victor Sierra Delta, that would be your radio call sign for that aircraft. When we get into airline flying, Uh, It's nice to have a little bit more kind of situational awareness. So Golf Alpha Victor Sierra Delta tells me absolutely nothing about what that aircraft is, who it's being flown by, as in which airline. So that's where we end up having airline call signs. So, for example, Speedbird, which would be British Airways. Or if you really want to be, you know, kind of ingenious and creative, you can go Delta. For Delta. So, <laughs> Forgive so. my naivety here. So how did BA end up with the call sign of Speedbird? 
because that nice little swanky uh, Speedbird symbol on their logo is the Speedbird logo. So that's oh, where I see. they end oh, up with Speedbird. Because when British that. Airways was, was formed by the conglomerate of BOAC and BEA and whatever, mm. that's what they came up with, that little you know snazzy logo thing. Um, gave it the title of Speedbird, and that's how it came, the call sign. Okay. So if you want to have your own call sign, as it were, rather than using your aircraft registration, um, you have to apply for that. So you write off to IKO, and uh, you say, look, this is us, this is our business, and we want to use this call sign. And you define where you are going to operate. So you might say, we, well, our business just operates in Europe, or you might be worldwide, and IKO will look at that and they'll go, okay, uh, well, there's no one with the call sign of flying goat uh, within Europe, so you can have you know, the call sign flying goat. And then basically, uh, once that's done, you can then uh, have uh, a suffix, so it could be you know, flying goat one, flying goat two, or anything really of, of your choosing, as long as it fits within the criteria uh, of the flight plan character limitation. And I can't remember exactly how many. I've got a feeling it's seven. So each call sign is abbreviated. So, for example, uh, Speedbird is abbreviated to BAW as the uh, flight plan. So when air traffic controllers see BAW and some numbers, they know that that is Speedbird. They used to have to remember it all. Uh, these days, uh, the air traffic control computers are quite clever, so it'll just uh, give it them as a little pop-up box. So, for example, um, if you were, say, uh, operating flight BA1676 from Manchester to Geneva, um, then your call sign would probably be Speedbird1676. Uh, that makes everything nice and simple. Um, up until the point where uh, the density of traffic uh, throughout the world became much, much greater. Uh, so you might have a Speedbird uh, 1676, and then you might have an EasyJet 1676, and a Ryanair 1676, and a Speedbird 1676. And even though they don't sound the same, you can start to see how people would just hear 1676 and assume it's them. So you can start to get some sort of call sign confusion. Big, big problem in Europe. So the airlines in Europe have to basically have their call signs validated by Eurocontrol. And what Eurocontrol do is they look at the the route that you're flying and the the times and the days, and they go, okay, let's look for conflicts. And you might say, okay, we want to uh, operate Speedbird 1676 from Manchester to Geneva, and you send your details through to Eurocontrol, And they'll come back and they'll go, no, no, you're going to be allocated uh, this call sign. So you'll become the Speedbird 1-2 Alpha Charlie. And you go, okay, fine. And and that will be when you're sort of basically submitting these for a series of flights. It's not done on a daily basis. So for the entire season or year or whatever, the Manchester to Geneva 1676 flight will become the, you know, the Speedbird, wherever I said, you know, 1-4 Alpha Charlie. And they're connected to the flight, not the aircraft, because, of course, uh, it, the flight plan uh, is what you're going to do. You can change uh, the aircraft, but the, the call sign, if you like, is associated with a flight plan. With that so route. Uh, you, you could change, change aircraft, uh, but it would still be the same flight plan 
uh, more or less and the same call sign. So it's all designed to try to minimize confusion. Now, there are uh, certain airlines um, around the world uh, that have call signs that are uh, easily confused. And sometimes airlines are required to uh, change their call sign. So at one point in their history, Thomas Cup had the uh, call sign of Globe. And Thomas Cup's parent company was German. And one of the things that they discovered was that German air traffic controllers can't say the word globe. And it used to come out <laughs> as glob. Right. <laughs> and a lot of people didn't like that. So uh, they ended up changing it. And lots of airlines have had various sort of uh, call sign uh, changes. There are some in the UK dedicated call signs for members of the royal family. So when they're on board an aircraft, the aircraft will take on board that call sign. Uh, I think that may well be something that doesn't necessarily happen so much these days for security reasons, but certainly in the past that was the case. So that's kind of the, the basic nuts and bolts of uh, the call signs. There's, there's all sorts of um, uh, weird and uh, wonderful uh, call signs. And there have been some really quite snazzy ones. Uh, uh, there used to be an airline, I think it was a VLM's call sign, and their call sign used to be Coast Rider, <laughs> which I quite liked. Um, there is or used to be um, a, a air taxi operator down in Bournemouth whose call sign uh, was uh, Flying Goat. <laughs> Don't know why. I guess I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think Virgin uh, America used to have the call sign of Redwood, uh, I think because of the connection with uh, Washington State. There, there are some quite nice ones. I've always quite liked the, the BA1 of Speedbird. Um, there was a couple of variations that BA had. So BA had the concession to be able to use the Santa call sign. So when BA <laughs> used to do their flights up to Lapland, uh, they would be Santa 1, Santa 2, etc. So quite often on the show, we've uh, featured air traffic control uh, recordings. And for example, uh, you'll hear, you know, Speedbird 38 as an example, uh, and then they'll say the word heavy on the end of it, or the Speedbird 38 Super. What, what do those two words mean? What is the difference? Okay, so what we have there is a suffix to the call sign that indicates a heavy or super weight turbulence category. So for heavy aircraft, uh, because more often than not, um, well, all aircraft need to be separated from each other by wake uh, turbulence category but heavy aircraft uh, will be flying around the the skies with sort of medium aircraft so as an example an a320 321 are all medium-sized aircraft a 330 is a heavy aircraft and it's to do with the the weight turbulence spacing so if you're flying a heavy aircraft or a super aircraft and the uh, that would be an a380 they require additional uh, wake turbulence spacing behind them. So uh, in most parts of the world, if you're operating a heavy aircraft on your initial contact with ATC, if you're flying a heavy or a super aircraft, 
you will suffix your call sign with that information just to remind the controller that you're a heavyweight turbulence category or a superweight turbulence category. Typically in Europe, uh, the air traffic controllers already know because it's shown on their radar display. Um, not quite so sophisticated in the United States. So it is a requirement by federal aviation regulations that all transmissions from aircraft that are heavy or super category have that um, as part of their transmission. So if you're featuring recordings from the United States, um, you know, it will always be, you know, Virgin 7.5 heavy, even if it's the 20th time that the guy has spoken to that controller because it's a requirement. Over here in Europe, it would only be on the initial contact with, with a, a controller. And it's simply just a, an advisory of your wake uh, turbulence category. Well, as always, Captain Al, fascinating. Many thanks. It's a pleasure. Oh, fantastic series. I, it, I'm glad that we, we have that back, actually. It's been it's a lot of fun, isn't it? And learning so much, actually. Uh, I just wanted to say um, also that um, I won't go into details, but I just want to say from all of the PTUK team that we're all thinking of Captain Al, obviously, and his wonderful family today. So... Um, let me think. Well, we won't won't go into details more than that because it's not our place to say so. But uh, yes, we're all thinking of Captain Al and his family at the moment. Your, has your dad seen this, this this the new series yet? Is he? Is he... he he's not seen this. He's not seen this one because um, no, I normally ping him the link across. You do. So yes, you're watch, very naughty. Yeah. I, I, I haven't I haven't got round to it this week. I no, feel really okay. guilty actually. But but he actually did ping me on just before we. Ca- I was having tea downstairs early mm. and just said, um, you, "You got the show tonight?" I says, "Yes, Dad, got the show tonight." Uh, there, there is another plane tales coming up. Then. Yeah, don't panic, right? Yeah, okay, don't panic. Uh, it's not plane tales. Well, plane truth. That's something sorry, else entirely. Truth. That's a totally different podcast. <laughs> actually, actually, on the on the note, on the note of pilot stuff, I oh. might just say another quick uh, congratulations as well because Stuart O'Neill, who we all know and love, who uh, runs a particular restaurant in town where we are, mm. are here, uh, who, of which I had a meal from on which Sunday. You had a meal yeah, from Sunday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Stuart uh, ha- is is celebrating at the moment uh, a kind of his one year sitting left seat. So oh wow! He's, uh, he's uh, yeah been sitting left seat now for a year. With uh, with hasn't, his airline, hasn't hasn't that twelve months gone past? Yeah, I know, I know. It's weird, isn't it? Like you know, we were actually, actually we were we were having a, a bit of a chat, weren't we? In in between that, actually saying that you know, I, I think this last lockdown has been very very hard for a lot of people. Mm. I think it it yeah. fair to say a lot of people have found this particular one probably far harder than the ones during the year and that. So there are times where you just think. I can't believe how slowly this year has gone. And then and then when you discover that it was only a year ago that, that Stuart took his first command, um, you know, in, in the left yeah. seat of an aircraft, and you think, wow, that was, a, that was only a year ago. I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy. just mad. It's gone so quick. So I know he's, he's really enjoyed. He's, he spoke to me on the phone at the mm. beginning of the, or middle of the week, and he just said he's really enjoying everything. Still, he's getting uh, obviously getting lots of flying in because uh, his airline is still yeah, very busy, very busy, yeah, uh, at the moment. And uh, yeah, he's loving life. He's actually based over in uh, in Ireland, actually, Matt. So um, yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's uh, um, Northern Ireland, is he? Derry, his uh, oh, Derry, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so Northern yeah. Ireland rather than yeah. than than. Down, you know, proper island, as I call it. Yes. Yeah. But he's uh, very much loving flying the Embraer, anyway. It's a nice so. aircraft. 
Mm, I think it was an Embraer that I did my little hop when we went to Pittsburgh, when I went from um, it was, actually, uh, yeah. Washington yeah. Dulls, as I always call it, or Dulles, if <laughs> you want to give it, uh, to, <laughs> to, uh, to uh, yeah. yeah well, it's, in my defence, I'd only just got off my worst ever experience of a 757 at the time, so it's just... Yeah. You can't leave it, can you? <laughs> no, I can't, I can't. I know, it's, I'm very bitter about it. Did anyone notice? Uh, anyway. Which I'll tell you, one of my best fights was in a 757 with Air 2000, I'll have you know, right. back, in the, back in the day. Well, as I say, it was a 757 and arrived at Washington Dulles Airport. I mean, that says it all. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, should we dear. move on? Uh, should we do some military? <laughs> uh, did, actually, Brick Bell is asking, uh, did Matt say why he has Silverstone as his background? Uh, no, I didn't. No, OK. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just got this here because I'm just sort of, you know, big upping Nev, you know. So, yes. uh, it was a picture that was sent to us by one of our listeners, uh, which I really liked. So he said he sent us several, um, and so uh, that that's why I've chosen that one because I think very good. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a race course that I have had the privilege, privilege of going to once. Before we move on to the military, just as a quick note on that as well, if you want to see your picture, if you can take some good aviation pictures, which most of our listeners do, take some awesome pictures, and you want to see a picture behind uh, me, Matt, or Nev, uh, just uh, send them in to the show. All the details will be at the end of the show if you want to send us an email. You can even WhatsApp, can't they, Matt? They can, yes. Plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Well done. Yes. And uh, a big hello as well, actually, to Leo Bramley, who's just joined us in the chat room. So uh-huh. hello to you, Leo. Indeed. Actually, there's another good reason to, to have mentioned Silverstone, as John's just reminded me. Uh, Lee Davis has just said in the chat room there is actually, of course, because uh, we lost Murray Walker this week, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Very sad yeah. indeed. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What a voice that was, wasn't it? I mean, it's a, I'll never ever... I, I think one of the first times I... And it, it was, for those of you yeah, don't know, he was a, um, uh, a sports uh, racing uh, commentator, commentator that yeah. was... I mean, he was predominantly heard here in the UK. Uh, an absolute... Well, an absolute legend. And uh, most of the English-speaking world were would be familiar with his voice if they ever listened to the Grand Prix. And it was that full... And there goes Damon! You know, it was that full sort yeah, of like real yeah. enthusiasm. <laughs> type thing. So anyway, yeah, that that's Legend. that's, that's Legend. a much better reason than the one I gave as to why I've got a picture of Silverstone on there. Uh, Lee Davis uh, is just saying, Matt, you said the WhatsApp number too quick. He oh, my apologies. Plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. There we go. White, we haven't got Armando with us this week, but we so, have So good luck, everyone. Yes. We <laughs> have got a military segment. So if everyone's ready, let's uh, do some... Ne- Nev can't wait, can you, Nate? You, you, you're, you're on... Look on... He's on a coiled cobra. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> So I'm just on flight radar 24. Oh, any any specific reason? There's a China Mid-show. Southern, uh, China Southern. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, it's quite low. It's not low actually. It's just flying right over the house. But anyway, I know. Is, is it military? It's it's not military. No, we're too late. Then move on. Uh- <laughs> It's an, it's an A330. No. It's blinking noisy, I tell you. Right. Anyway, okay. so our first story... Is it grey? 
<laughs> no, no right, move on. on. No. <laughs> it's uh, on the com website, this one. And brilliant news following on from last week's awesome show. The Italian Navy's first female strike fighter pilot earns wings of gold after training with the BT-9 at NAS Meridian. So Italian Navy Ensign Erica Rabaglio uh, was designated a naval aviator, becoming the service's first female strike fighter pilot. Uh, the first female strike fighter pilot in history of the Italian Navy, or the Marina Militare. Uh, received uh, wings of gold after completing undergraduate flight training with the Tigers of Training Squadron BT-9 at Naval Station Meridian, Mississippi, on March the 11th, 2021. Ensign Erica Rabalo was designated a naval aviator during a small winging ceremony at the base chapel with five classmates making or marking a significant milestone in Italian and U.S. naval aviation history. They said, uh, we are all incredibly proud of Ensign Rabalo, VT-9 commanding officer, Commander Megan Armand said in a public statement. She has proven she is capable, uh, competent, uh, competent and warfighter ready to take her strike aviation training to the next level. She and her classmates worked hard to get to this point and what they can and will accomplish in the future is limitless. So approximately 10 Italian Navy officers are sent to the U.S. each year to begin pilot training under Chief of Naval Air Training. Ensign Rabalo from Alba in northwestern Italy completed primary flight training in a T-6B Texan II turboprop trainer uh, aircraft with the shooters of VT-6 under training Air Wing 5 at uh, NAS White Whittingfield, I think that's how you say it, in Milton, Florida. Uh, then she reported to VT-9 to join a class of new generation strike fighter pilots qualified, uh, qualifying on state-of-the-art aircraft launch and recovery equipment uh, used on aircraft carriers uh, such as the USS Gerald R. Ford, uh, CVN-78, and all future Gerald R4 class carriers. The Electromagnetic Aircraft Launch System, or AMALS, and Advanced Arresting Gear, AAG. She completed T45C uh, carrier qualifications on Ford in the Atlantic Ocean off Florida's coast in February on the 5th, which she said was her favourite part of the strike pilot training pipeline. Landing on the aircraft carrier for the first time was mind-blowing, uh, Rabalu said. You know, she was so nervous at first and she had to say thank you to all uh, her pals or, land, or paddles, landing signal officers, uh, Lieutenant Alan Voden and Lieutenant Sean Lawrence, she said, for all the patience and effort they put into preparing her skill-wise and mentally for the big challenge. Hats off to her. Well done. Um, very good indeed. That's good to see. You know, this thing should be happening all the time, not just uh, once in the blue moon. But uh, and the, good honour. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the marvellous thing about uh, our marvel, our WhatsApp number that I gave out at the uh, top of uh, that story is that listeners will send us in some some pictures on the flight. And the very aircraft that you were talking about just a very just a moment ago, sent in by Nick Codling. There we go. That is the actual aircraft you were talking about and where it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. That's, that's what I call service, isn't it? <laughs> it, it indeed. Yeah. Yes. Now, Rick. Oh, right. So, oh, Rick Bell. 
<laughs> Whitingfield. Okay. Right. Thank okay. you, Whitingfield, Rick Bell. Thank Indeed, you, yeah, absolutely. John's exasperated in, that in our is ear why, here. Yeah. That is why, Rick Bell, we need you over here yes, that's to true. join us Indeed. on a huge beer, ses- uh, beer sesh. It would be bad form of me to point out another mispronunciation. Oh, oh dear. Yes. <laughs> when uh, Carlos said... Uh, Arkansas, what he meant to say, Arkansas. 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 Oh, <laughs> blimey. Sorry. Moving on to the next story, which Matt will uh, ruin. Uh, uh, get oh. right. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think Carlos has been drinking. Uh, That's all I can think of. No, whatever. Uh, Okay. So uh, the next military story is on the Air Force Dash Technology dot com. Hope there's some hard words. And the I don't. Uh, And the headline is uh, contract notice hints U.S. could field a new fighter by 2029. So a U.S. Department of Defense contract notification has offered a hint that the U.S. could field a new aircraft fighter by uh, fiscal year 2029. Uh, The $74 million contract notice with uh, Rathen for the AIM-120 advanced medium-range air-to-air missile, that's AMRAM, uh, aircraft integration mentions a number of existing airframes but leaves the option open for future integration onto f- current or next generation fighters uh, before the close of fiscal year 2029. The contract notice reads that uh, the contract will provide the necessary aircraft lab, flight test, flight clearance and simulation support during all integration requirements in the AMRAM for the F-15, F-16, FA-18, F-22, F-35 and other current inventory or next generation platforms that may join the Air Force or Navy inventory before the end of fiscal year 2029. Currently the the US Air Force is engaged in an effort to develop a sixth generation fighter um, uh, fighter jet under its next generation air dominance program that's the NGAD Um, yeah I I, I suppose sort of these technologies do need to be retrofitted, I guess, don't they? You, you, you sort of want uh, all, all of these aircraft to. I mean, we, I mean the F fifteen. I mean that that aircraft, for example, has been around for years, hasn't it? I mean, it's it's quite an old aircraft, isn't it? The the F fourteen, F fifteen. But to be able to um, sort of retrofit the, these uh, these new items, I think, I think is the, the way forward. The thing of it is that they're they're trying to keep these aircraft not just flying for, well, current, for many years, yeah. but they're they're, they're improving and adding new and, and, uh, and upgrading a lot of these aircraft mm. a lot of the time so you are and plus the fact that they last forever anyway these, these aircraft are built to to last you've only got well, I think, the b-52 to see that yeah well i think john said in our in in our area that the f-15 was like built back in the 70s i'm sure rick would mm. uh would correct us uh, on that but as i say i mean there i mean i i even remember having an f f-16 flight simulator for my atari <laughs> 520st so i mean that goes to show how long that air aircraft has been around so that's sort of like mid 80s at the very very earliest so Mm. or very latest sorry so there we go it's um yeah as you say it sort of makes sense doesn't it for for these things to be retrofitted doesn't it so nev you've got the next story about uh another f yes and uh, i'm very pleased to say that uh um, armando has been listening to me because he's actually given me a story to read out without any acronyms in oh how wonderful <laughs> uh, compared to so many other military stories where there are so many 
and you have to explain what they are. And I'm not very good at that, I have to say. So I'm really <laughs> pleased that he's carefully chosen this one. Uh, this is on the AF.mil uh, uh, website. And it says that the uh, US Air Force receives uh, its first F-15EX. And they accepted this from Boeing on March the 10th at the company's St. Louis facility. Uh, the new fighter is a two-seat aircraft, uh, though it can be operated by a single pilot uh, with fly-by-wire flight controls digital cockpit displays and advanced avionic systems to include the Eagle passive active warning system and survivability system. Electronic warfare upgrade also being fielded on the F-18E Strike Eagle models. This is a big moment for the Air Force, says Colonel Sean Dory, uh, who's the F-15EX program manager with the Air Force Life Cycle Management Centre's Fighters and Aircraft uh, Advanced Aircraft Directorate, responsible for the acquisition, modernisation and sustainment of the aircraft. With its large weapons capacity, digital backbone and open architecture, the F-15EX will be a key element in our tactical fighter fleet and complement fifth-generation assets. In addition, it's capable of carrying hypersonic weapons, giving it a niche role in future near-peer conflicts. Following its acceptance, the new aircraft will be flown to Eglin Air Force Base, Florida, for testing. A second F-15EX will be delivered to the Air Force Base by the end of April 2021. Uh, the other six Lot 1 aircraft will be delivered to Eglin Air Force Base in the fiscal year 2023 and will undergo operational testing. The Air Force plans to acquire 144 of these aircraft from Boeing to replace the F-15C-D models and refresh the F-15 fleet. That is some uh, purchase order for someone to write out, isn't it? 144 F-15EXs, please. As you do. <laughs> Damn big checkbook as well. You need well, a lot yeah. of space. True, true. Yeah, lot, lots of yeah. space for zeros, I lots think. Lots of space well. for zeros, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, indeed. I don't know it's, where they got this money from, I tell you. Well, you know, I mean, it is a government. I mean, it's probably, uh, you know, it's, they probably don't write checks now, do they? It's probably some kind of bank transfer. Bank transfer, yeah. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> oh, so Mike is saying in the chat room here that the F-15EX uh, is another example of an aircraft that came about because the F-35 is not as capable nor as far along as in anticipated. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. It really is. Mm. Indeed, yeah, Mark. Mark is agreeing also in the chat room. So it's uh, ah, we rely very much on our chat room when we don't have an Armando, don't we? I think Lane's uh, <laughs> comment is very important as well. Oh, in, no. in the chat room, I'm slightly scared. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. He says, "Yay, uh, a Brit finally said St. Louis correctly." Oh, that's nice oh, now that sir is praise indeed. Absolutely <laughs> right. Good. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Good. Lovely. And uh, moving on, uh, Carlos, you've got the last story. <laughs> this perhaps there's going to be a special show coming up soon—the pronunciation special. Ooh. Anyway, the uh... <laughs> right. That, that'll basically just be you then. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dear. Yeah. oh dear. Uh, John's uh, saying something about uh, pigs flying and and Carlos reading, reading show notes. Yeah, something about reading yep. show notes. I mean, I could yeah. go back a long way about reading show notes, but anyway, yeah. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> this story comes to us care. from <laughs> Al <laughs> from AlJazeera.com, and uh, it's sad news. This one, 
this is uh, four people have been killed as a military transport plane crashes. So four people have been killed and two more injured after a military plane crash while trying to land in Kazakhstan's largest city, Almaty, authorities said. According to preliminary data, four people have passed away and two injured were sent to the nearest hospital, the emergency ministry said in a statement on Saturday. The AN-26 military aircraft was travelling to Almaty from the uh, capital Nur Sultan. Uh, the ministry in the Central Asian country said the plane belonged to the Central Asian country's border guard agency that is part of the National Security Committee, according to Russia's Interfax News Agency. Uh, communication with the aircraft ceased at uh, 17.20 p.m. local time or 11.20 GMT during the landing approach at the Almaty airport, uh, the airport said. According to the, that, the aircraft crashed at the end of the runway. The cause of the crash was not uh, immediately clear. The Russian news agency Interfax reported that the aircraft belonged to, as we said, the Kazakhstan Border Guard Agency. Um, but uh, there are some images on the uh, the site aljazeera.com. We'll put the links in the show notes to this. But this particular aircraft, I just done a little bit of a quick whiz to see when this um, or how old this aircraft is. No, I didn't do that. What you're thinking? Uh, a quick look on the interweb and the AN26 uh, first introduced into service before way before me and Matt were even thought of back in 1970. Uh, but uh, introduced into service, but first flew in 1969 in uh, in May, being used currently by the Soviet Air Force, Pakistan Air Force, and the Vietnamese Air Force. And there was uh, one and a half, well, just under one and a half thousand of these actually produced over the course of their time. But um, from the pictures that are on the website, it was uh, it's not uh, not a good ending, really, for uh, for this aircraft. No, indeed, uh, we do have some pictures, but we've chosen not to uh, to share them, really, obviously, because the, it is all very um, they, they are out there if you want to go and find them. But we, we've made the decision not to uh, not to share them with uh, with you, I'm afraid, on this occasion. So we have got a very special segment coming up next on the show. So uh, this is going to be the George Lee MBE, and this is part number 11, uh, second to last part in the series this is. Uh, in this part, uh, <laughs> in this part, George talks about flying with the famous Mr. Sato of the Japanese glider manufacturer, Baron Hilton of the Hilton family, and about earning his prestigious 1,000-kilometer gliding award. You did manage to get a little bit of gliding in, though, uh, with the wonderful Mr. Sato in Japan and uh, with the Barons in America. It sounded like you had made some good friends in the gliding world. Yeah, there were some gliding events, um, Nick. The gliding in Japan was very interesting. I was introduced to him through the chief designer that I mentioned before. He knew him well. And Akira Sato was a lovely, lovely, lovely man. Spoke very little English, but we managed. And I would request the, tri- the freighter 
pattern up through Taipei to arrive in Tokyo Narita as the curfew was finishing, the first arrivals coming in. Been up all night, go and have a shower, get changed, take a train into Tokyo. There was uh, Mr. Sato on the platform waiting for me, and he would drive me out to Sekiado, which was the, the principal gliding airfield, and had some gliding. There was one very funny but not funny incident on one of the visits because we're driving out to Sekiado and Mr. Sato in his broken English is trying to get something across to me and he's sort of saying, ah, Mr. Lee, uh, this time when we come back, we have party. Oh, right. Anyway, we drive back into, into central Tokyo. He parks the car at his place of work. We take a lift upstairs. Now I'm getting very nervous. We get out of the lift down this corridor and he opens the doors into this big room. And I nearly dropped all around this room. There were a lot of people in lounge suits with their good lady wives, a big table in the middle groaning with food and drink. And one by one, they all bowed and introduced themselves and went right around the room. And then Mr. Sato says, okay, Mr. Lee, you make speech. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my scruffy gliding gear. And I mean scruffy gliding gear. I felt awful. Anyway, George made speech and we had a good evening. So that that, that was funny. Um, The Baron Hilton was a pinch me, this can't be real experience. As a world champion, I was invited on this experience, (laughs) first of all, to Las Vegas, where I was put up in, of course, a Hilton hotel, treated like royalty, limo pickup, taken to show in the evening, the best seat in the house, of course. All amazing experiences. Finally drove out to the airport, a little red carpet up to this (laughs) this airplane and flown out to his private ranch called the Flying M Ranch. Baron Hilton, very generous man, very hospitable, aviation, very big aviation enthusiast. And the day would start, one would have a choice of activities, whether you want to go and do some fly fishing on his trout stream or take a hot air balloon ride, or perhaps go up for an aerobatics ride in an aerobatics machine. While everybody, the workers would be getting the gliders ready, and then when the time was right, we were transported over the other side of the airfield, all the seating outside this huge RV and lunch was served. And after that, we then finally went into the gliders and got in and did some flying. It was extraordinary experience, absolutely extraordinary. But gee, somebody had to do it. It was it was a great pleasure and uh, totally unrepresentative of normal gliding, but a very special, wonderful experience. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Now, um, you were persuaded, I think, against your better judgment to go to Australia for the 1987 World Championships. Um, and whilst your heart may not have been entirely in it, you still placed in the top 10. But more importantly for me, uh, Australia seems to have been worming its way into your heart. Well, as I said, Nick, I knew Australia fairly well. The World Championships did not go at all well for me. Uh, The weather was uh, difficult, not strong, regular weather, far from. But beyond that, for the first time in all my gliding, I actually had crew personality problems, which totally was totally unexpected, came from left field. My regular crew chief had never met 
uh, this Aussie guy who I knew quite well, but there was a big generation gap. And my regular crew chief was the chief. He, he was the boss on the ground. And anyway, it never really totally got resolved. And that didn't help either, frankly. But I'm not making excuses. I didn't. I wasn't up to the mark. Uh, and I knew it. I got a couple of daily seconds. But overall, no. But Australia, it more and more. Yes, I guess it, I guess it was drawing. There were just so many positives about it. Uh, the thought with due respect to you and everybody over there, the thought going back to Northern European weather didn't draw greatly. <laughs> and there were, and we'd lost touch with the UK and Marin didn't want to go back to Norway. And so Australia, yeah. And then it was a matter of where are we going to set everything up? Because I had this pipe dream of what I wanted to do in retirement, at least for the first 10 years. And that was give... That was giving experienced junior glider pilots, and I'm talking about experienced, um, free advanced coaching in my self-launch high-performance two-seater because that's the airplane I wanted. And that gave them challenges. Certainly many had never seen it, and it was a challenging aircraft to fly. So this, the whole concept, I got two 800-meter by four-meter wide uh, bitumen strips laid down, got a hanger put up, and the whole thing worked exactly as planned, which which was a wonderful a wonderful feeling and very rewarding. And one of, not that I can claim much on his achievement, but one of my students went on from training uh, with me to actually win a a world championships in the club class down in South Australia. So that was very pleasing for me, obviously, to see him accomplish that. And the flying was very rewarding to see people's performance improve. Yeah. It's, you, you've been an instructor, Nick. You know how, how rewarding that sort of thing is. Absolutely. Now, your property near Dalby in uh, Queensland, it seemed to be the perfect choice to set up your gliding school, and you gave it the perfect name, Plane Soaring. Um, it seemed to be that this was the pinnacle of uh, your gliding time, really, from a satisfaction point of view, a, a kind of a dream come true. But you had your problems. I mean, there seemed to be a lot of floods. Uh, your belongings take a long, took a long time to get there. That's pretty normal. Uh, there were snakes. Uh, you weren't feeling very well. Um, it was, must have been quite an achievement to set that place up challenging in uh, in the extreme initially nick i was not at all well physically and all i could see was monstrous problems and no way over or around them frankly and uh, it was hot we arrived in summer stinking hot and one day the guy who had been lent, uh, leasing the whole property while we were in hong kong i remember meeting him one day and then just having a cry on his shoulder <laughs> and he just he just reminded me and he said well look think about it he said it's not every day, you know, that somebody retires because that alone it can be a stressful thing. Migrates to essentially a new country, uh, gets a new house built, and has an airfield constructed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I said, "Thank you, Paul. I feel a lot better now. You're absolutely <laughs> right." But there, there was one little gem uh, in your time, uh, particularly in your early uh, time there in Australia. Um, you had one gliding goal yet to achieve, and that, I believe, was the 1,000-kilometer task, and you managed that uh, in Australia. Can you describe that flight to us? Yes, that, that was a, an amazing experience. The, to fly a 1,000-kilometer flight uh, using purely thermals, 
is a very big achievement, even today, never mind back then. And there were two other pilots up there at the time in an airfield called Wakery in South Australia. And they wanted, they were going to try for their thousand as well on the same day. So the manager of the airfield, uh, dead now sadly, Maury Bradney, very experienced man. He had the three gliders out on the runway very early indeed, had the takeoff sequence. The other two pilots were happy to do what we call in gliding a yo-yo task. That is multi-leg sort of back and forth type task. But that wasn't for me. I wanted the proper big FAI triangle. Nothing less would do. So I was going to be on my own from the very beginning to the very end. And I remember just getting towed up to a thousand meters, not feeling a ripple on the toe up. I thought, oh, oh, thousand meters. That's that's the altitude for uh, for start. Eighty knots. Pull the bung immediately. Don't mess around. Point down the first leg. Best glide angle speed. And off we go. So two and a half thousand feet, nothing. Two thousand feet, nothing. Fifteen hundred feet, nothing. So I'm looking at the paddocks, as we call them down here, very closely. And then about twelve hundred, eleven hundred feet, I get the first burbles and murmurings of uh, an early thermal. Get into it, it develops. I say, oh, Murray, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> having, said, having said less flattering remarks prior. <laughs> so climb up and then on we go. It wasn't an outstanding, I'm not just being you know, whatever here, false modesty, whatever, but it wasn't an outstanding day. Australian standards, no way. And then I'm going along and the furthest, the second turning point was a place called Hay. In New South Wales. Now, this is a long way away from Wakery, and I'm suddenly thinking, I remember a question I forgot to ask Maury. <laughs> that is, what, what's the latest time I should consider turning hay or, or pulling the pin before I get there, sort of thing? And I, and, and I hadn't, and I thought, did some quick mental sums. It's about 400 plus kilometers from hay back to uh, Wakery. I thought, oh, as long as I turn by. Quarter past five, I should be right. And I turned just before that and off we went. Now I had the advantage of a slight quartering tailwind. So that was beneficial. But the thermals were blue, which makes it harder. You don't have the cumulus to mark the lift. So that therefore your progress is slower. Anyway, I'm going along, along, along. Finally, I get in contact with these other guys on the yo-yo task. And they said, where are you? And I told them and they said, oh, oh, you should have a good chance of making it home. And uh, got my last thermal, knew I had it in the bag. In fact, I put lots of extra fat safety on the altitude. Glid, glid home, landed, and just collapsed in, in that cockpit. I was utterly exhausted. And the wife of one of the other two pilots ran over to meet me with the most wonderful beer. And I just sat there and drank the beer. And eventually we got back to the clubhouse. Maury looked at the barograph, camera, films, everything. He said, it's good. You got it. So, and that was a UK record at that time. So speeds have changed enormously. Back then I did about 110 kilometers an hour for the task, but performances have improved so much these days. Yeah, quite different that's a, that's, speeds. That's a, lovely, that's a lovely story. Now you ran your last course at uh, Plane Soaring in 2011. What have you been doing since?
Well, uh, welcome to our London studios. Uh, welcome to the A320 Lounge uh, webinar uh, tech presentation, um, obviously for the 320 series. Welcome to the A320 and 737 Lounge, bringing technical refresher courses directly to you. Using our cutting-edge broadcasting facilities, enjoy a fully interactive technical refresher course from the comfort of your own home. All of our webinars are live and you can ask your instructor a question at any point during the day. All of our instructors are highly experienced and can help you. No more expensive nights away from home, no new software required, just an internet connection. Courses are run at regular intervals, so check out A320Lounge and 737Lounge.com for more details. And there we go. There we go. Oh, it's a, I say it's very sad that there's only one more left to, to go of that, really. But uh, it's been a great series. I can't wait to yeah. release it on YouTube, actually. Yeah, great comments yeah. in the chat room. It's, it's been, been really fascinating. Do you know what's been so nice as well? Because like, don't get me wrong, he's had a fascinating um, uh, military career as well. But uh, it's it's been nice to talk about gliding because uh, it's it's a route that quieter. a lot. Of, uh, well, it is quieter, yes. But I mean, it's a route that a lot of people sort of use to join the world of aviation, isn't it? Um, you know, and so many people that we know started their career in gliders. I mean, I know Pip, for example, he's a big fan of, of gliding. Um, you know, and it's been so nice to hear about someone, especially like a world champion as well. It's just so cool. I mean, such a three time world champion. I'm being reminded in my year. It's been a, been a fascinating career. It really has. As I, I say, one it's more one of those, part one of those lists, I think, one of my things on the list to do. Nev, yeah. would you like to have a. Oh, Mark, Mark's saying he did three flights in his in in, in a glider with uh, with this guy who has ner- with this guy who has nerves of steel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right, Nev. I glider. think also the other thing I was just about to say is that um, Richard Adams sums it up very nicely. He said he's so modest despite his incredible achievements. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yes, Absolutely. So I couldn't agree. Completely more agree there. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, we have got some breaking news. Oh. Nev, have we? We have, yes. We've just been made aware of this on simpleflying.com website. It says, Intruder breaches perimeter fence at Dublin Airport. And there was some drama at Dublin Airport earlier after Intruder was filmed running around along the secure area's per- uh, perimeter fence. It seems that the intruder did not impact airfield operations at the airport's tower uh, and they continue to allow traffic to land on the active runway. It's not exactly clear what communications, sorry, what circumstances led to an intruder entering the secure area at Dublin Airport earlier today. But at around uh, 10 past 5 local time, a man in beige trousers, a black T-shirt and an orange jacket was filmed running along the inside of the airport's perimeter fence. According to recordings on liveatc.net, the tower controls at the time of the incident were aware that it was unfolding. They cautioned an arriving Virgin Atlantic aircraft, uh, saying, Virgin 521, just for your information, we've had reports of an intruder on the airfield, and we're unsure as to whether or not the personnel are within the flight strip of runway 28 left and we'll keep you advised so uh, yeah I don't know how they managed to get onto the inside of the uh, perimeter fence um, either intentionally or unintentionally but uh, yeah not ideal I think he was just you know I think he's just like having a jog and he accidentally fell to the wrong side of the fence on his jog well, I think he needs to have a word with himself about that. Um, mm. the f- he's a bit of a fashion fail there as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, fashion, come on. I mean, honestly, who goes running in beige? I mean, honestly. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, Masha, Masha just says, makes a good point in the chat room. Um, she says, uh, looks like he's just getting his exercise in. You know, he's keeping hit, keeping fit. Keeping I, yeah, yeah, great. Uh, but he, he, he could do it, you know, the right side of the fence. No, uh, it's, just, okay. it's worth worth pointing out as well. Our main man, Micah, uh, says in the <laughs> chat room. Uh, sorry. Today... Yeah, Mark Priestley, sorry. Oh, oh no, sorry. Uh, sorry, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says, yeah, Mike Priestley says out on a run looking for uh, looking for Bush for the loo. He says oh, honestly. Uh, hashtag sigh. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Anyway, I'd like to sorry. see I'd like to see him I'd like to see him try and pee behind the jet blast of a uh taking off an a you know an A three twenty taking off. Anyway, yeah, I think like we have that. some birthday congratulations to Yes give we to do because summer. today is uh is today is Captain Craig? Officer, oh, yeah. Captain Craig! I should Captain say. Captain yeah, Craig, not first officer. Captain yeah. Craig, uh, Captain Craig's birthday. So he was a first officer when he was on the show all those years yeah, ago. That was that was just after was Long it just after ago. Pittsburgh, wasn't it? I seem mm. to remember. My memory memory yeah. comes back. Uh, Happy birthday to Captain Craig! Oh, tomorrow and... is Myla's birthday. Yes. Oh, I say. Do you know what? My, Micah has an amazing. Yeah, I want his diary because he's better at this than I am. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, but Micah's diary's in here. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, yeah. I can't remember what I have for breakfast, let alone when your birthday is. Yeah, I think it's in August sometime. Carlos, you, sorry to I'm interrupt. I'm just sorry. I'm just, uh, I'm just <laughs> sorry. I'm literally sorry, Matt. I'm just literally. I'm doing what I what I love to do. You know, I'm we're we're only live, and I'm talking to you. But you know, don't let that worry you. I'm watching <laughs> watching the chat room right. and. Uh, Captain Cruz, poor guy was just running trying to find the exit. Uh, Miles High uh, <laughs> says, super low fare. You have to literally catch the plane. Right, I mean, that's an option, certainly. Yeah, that's, that's clearly one way of doing it. Very good. Uh, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, dear, uh, never oh, mind. I, and I'll let you read Rick Bell's comment, Matt. Oh, really? Channel. Okay. Uh, there is a saying, uh, don't pee into the wind. I wonder how that would work behind an A320 at takeoff power. Good point. <laughs> good point. Well made. Uh, that's a very good point. Um, not rec- uh, not manufacturer recommended, I think, is what we're supposed to say to that. But uh, there we go. Anyway, yes. anyway. So uh, coming up next week, uh, we, we, we've got a guest hopefully joining us next week. Uh, more Fingers info crossed. on More details. Through, through the social yes. medias during the week, hopefully. So, uh, keep an eye on those but uh, nev talking of social media links where can people find us yes well of course we are all over social media as you know so it's uh, we're on facebook at uh, plain talking uk on uh, twitter uh, at plain talking uk instagram as well uh, and of course if you want to get in touch with the show you can send us an email at podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and the website is www.plaintalkinguk.com and Matt you can just remind me of the WhatsApp number Certainly, I'm very sad because I know it off the top of my head yes. it's plus, yeah, look at the camera I can't even see it around me it's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. and then especially for Mark I think it was he wanted it slower earlier it's plus Plus four four <laughs> seven five. No, sorry, it's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. I've been told off in my ear. By which John coincidentally Abbey. is the same WhatsApp number for the kitchen disco. Yeah, which okay. is going to be happening on the third of April. There we go. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yes, this is the one. 
Is the you know that because we discussed it during the last live kitchen disco? I, I think you're, I uh, think you're on crack. No, it's, it's another it's, it's <laughs> another another two weeks time. You've got loads of time, is it? It's the third of April. All right, okay. Well, you know, it's always nice to find out live on air. That's the way forward. <laughs> we discussed it during the live. Honestly, I thought I've got a memory like a sieve. I'm going to start recording our conversations because I have no yeah. recollection of that whatsoever. But anyway, that's fine. It's not like I'm doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, the joys of lockdown. Well, uh, hopefully things will start to get back to some sort of normality after June. Fingers crossed. As long yeah, as indeed. the old Bosman makes things happen here in the UK. The Bosman, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Bozza. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that was. I didn't realise yeah. you were on. You know, nickname terms with our prime minister. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he's going right, to come in the Queen's Head with us. Uh, you know. On, Easy. On yeah. Right. Okay. I don't think he's heard of Ersham, To be fair. Um, Probably not. Actually. No. No. Indeed. Anyway, should we wrap up? So, uh, quick run through <laughs> then. Nev, what are you doing next week? A little of driving next week. Uh, just going to pop into our office to do a bit of work there in London. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, of course, uh, very much at home at the moment. Uh, but of course, on the 29th of March, uh, then we don't have to stay at home anymore, uh, which is good. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but of course, we can't really do anything. There's no <laughs> coffee shops no. open or pubs or restaurants. So we'll have to come back to that a bit later. But uh, we indeed. are making pretty good progress, I've got to say. We are Matt, indeed. what are you doing? No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not up to anything, no. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> what no. about? Uh, oh, yeah, don't forget tomorrow, people. If you are waking up here in the UK, or if you're in the US, or across the globe, and you're tuning in to uh, the the radio waves tomorrow morning at seven a.m. UK here time in the UK, yeah. here in the UK. If you ask your uh, device, that's smart called speaker. A smart speaker, yeah. We, yeah. I won't say the name because no, no. everyone's... Um, well, no, because there's, go there's Google ones as well. Isn't yeah, there? Yeah. And, and, and Apple ones. And... Go take yourselves over to Park Radio and Dis, or Park Radio. Yeah. Uh, it will play a awesome show tomorrow morning, which is a breakfast show, which will be hosted by Matt Smith. Yeah, somebody I've never heard of. In fact, actually, oh. sh- shall I play a little exclusive? Look, here you go. No. Matt Smith. Hello. I'm the doctor. No, not that one. Saturday breakfast <laughs> on Park Radio. Yeah. So tune in tomorrow morning. Ask your smart speakers to play it. We are going to be listening in tomorrow morning, me and Gemma, and uh, listening to the hilarity that will probably be uh, when I send lots of weird videos and messages to Matt whilst he's live. Yeah, so we'll uh, yeah. I'll be trying to concentrate, no doubt, and Carlos <laughs> will be doing everything he can to um, oh, you know put me brilliant. off. But anyway, there we go. Yeah, so that's uh, live from 7, 7 a.m. Ask your smart speaker, because uh, unfortunately I think only me and Carlos are the ones who live anywhere near the transmitters. So if you're here in the region, you can listen to it on fm but for the rest of the 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 country and indeed the world you can ask for uh what is this 7am of which you speak nick codling a suggestion good point obviously well made uh on a saturday i'll give you that not many people know about that kind of time (laughs) on a weekend indeed but uh yes so we will be uh we will be uh doing that yes as i say so ask your smart speaker to play park radio dis um, at 7 Jacob Darlington we'll Brown my voice, yeah. says, "Does this make Matt famous now? Well, he was anyway. So I mean, infamous. Uh, I think you you think I think mm-hmm. that there's a yeah, yeah yeah something going on there. No, so, indeed. Quick, uh, Carlos, are you doing anything? Uh, next week, I shall be driving my truck and 
being in, sitting in a warehouse office next Wednesday, hopefully having some office time for Ooh, change rather say, than going nice. out in the lorry, which yeah. would be quite nice. Doing the job I'm supposed to be doing rather yeah. than that, driving a lorry. But yes, it's all good. It's all good fun. We are busy, which is a good thing. And uh, uh, Stuart, who I know is watching at the moment as well, is... Uh, He's uh, got lots of work on next week, so he's going to be busy. That's good. Yep. So. No, that's good. But so, I would say a big thanks to everyone in the YouTube chat room who has been watching and tuning in tonight. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight on this Friday evening. And also, don't forget as well, uh, a big thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast as well. Thank you for downloading the show. And if you do download the show as an audio podcast, if you could, and if you have five seconds spare, they would love a little review on iTunes or whatever podcast player you download us from. Just a little five-star review would be blinking awesome. So thank you. If you could, that'd be fantastic. So that is where we're going to bring episode 359 to a close. The big 360 next week, guys. So uh, from me here in my home studio from Matt in his master suite studio, PTUK studios from Nev in his glorious Buckinghamshire studios and from our awesome producer, John, who does loads of work in the background all during the week for the show in his studio. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and see you all next Friday. Bye everyone. 